0: and welcome to lost in the long box we're having some uh, technological differences those of you who watched office or um idiocracy will get that joke um how's everybody's week been so far so good, good.
1: All right.
0: i'm your host randall i got all my partners in crime here everybody say hello as i go down the line madman hello enos what's up folks tommy present Livia. chime on hello Hi there. Um, So big news. I'm going to just jump right into it. I'm so excited because today we got new comics for the first time in a month. Um, Now, there wasn't a whole lot of them because I believe, um, even as uh, Ed was telling me today, it's a bit of a test run for DC and our new distribution. But I got Daphne Byrne number four today. Yay! (laughs) Yep. And and he did say that next week um, we'll start getting regular books from DC again. So. All right. Yes. So I am all excited. It means that um, things are going to get kind of back to normal for us combat collectors. We'll start getting new titles again. So, by the way, Olivia, you weren't here when I mentioned this earlier. I thought I'd go ahead and tell you when I was in the store today, um, a gentleman who came in there and recognized my voice and said, aren't you on a podcast? I'm like, why? Well, yes, I am. And he saw you on a podcast as well too. So. Awesome. You are it's now exciting. internet you are now internet famous that means in a couple of weeks we have to sign autographs and whatnot.
2: There Humble bread. Always fun. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me.
0: Uh, anybody got any uh, anything they want to talk about before we get into the news items. maybe um, Not- this
1: may be on the news items but you know the latest we heard for shops we're supposed to be back into the normal distribution schedule May 20th. So okay. that's from yeah. in. So that's exciting definitely get back to normal sooner rather than later
0: right and i think that's what i had is that diamond said late may but they hadn't actually given a date so the fact that you got one is is a lot better um may 20th that is uh let me just look at my calendar here because that is uh oh that's that wednesday okay day before my birthday yay (laughs) so um oh actually do have may 20th um so did you see that dc put out a um a statement as to why they decided to not wait for Diamond. Mm. Why, they, so
3: why they
0: decided to wait for them. Yeah, it was our goal is to get new comics in the shops that are able to sell as soon as possible. We expect regional inconsistencies as to whether stores will be allowed to open up or remain shut down, and we want to ensure to continue providing comics and stores that can operate during these times. So that's basically um DC's way of saying, "Hey, we know there's still stores out there that are." starting to feel the crunch from not having products and and they wanted to fix that basically so okay. Plus, let, let's be honest um we know who the number one publisher is right now it's it's marvel it's been marvel for a while this right is dc's way is getting a leg up on marvel and saying hey marvel's not putting anything out let's get ahead of them and do it so build a little customer loyalty there right?
3: yeah yeah it's not a bad idea you know and you know there's a market out there that's not being being used right now because you know no one's doing anything so get out there be the only one putting them out and make some money right so my my thing that i'm wondering i'm going
0: to actually uh, go to olivia for this one when diamond comes back and they're up and running again do you think dc is going to take business back to them or they're going to be like hey we've got a distribution system in place we're just going to keep with it
1: I think they're going to keep experimenting, honestly. Um, DC and Diamond, there's always been a lot of distribution issues there. Um, Oftentimes when we get shortages in the book, it's actually DC-related, more so than Marvel. Um, So I think it'll be interesting to see how this continues. Um, I mean, with everything going on, when Diamond shut down distribution, I mean, the comic industry definitely collapsed a little bit. So this may be a way that, you know, Diamond's trying to have some stability in the future if something else goes on, that they have alternate means. So I think they'll keep the relationship going. Yeah, we're in week one, so.
0: Right, what I could actually see happening is I could see DC taking their regular press books, like, you know, their regular titles like Batman and Justice League and have Diamond still distribute those. But I could see them using their alternate lines for things like the Black Label product, or maybe some of their other um, prestige formats like the Joker, Harley Quinn, Criminal Sanity, or Harleen. Those bigger books. I can see them maybe going with their other um, distributor line for those exclusive books.
1: Mm-hmm. And reprints and things are a little bit harder to track down. I mean, there's more areas for us to be able to track them down now.
0: Right That so yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's something uh, something good for everybody involved: shops, readers, and and DC. So. Um, Other news, too, and this one kind of actually threw me for a loop, um, but Marvel Comics has cut their editorial staff to like about half, and they're on furlough, Um, which I got to tell you, I didn't think – I don't know how to put it. I don't want to say I didn't think Marvel could do that as much as I thought Marvel was in a better place financially to not have to do that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, They did say, however, their employees are still going to get health insurance,
2: so that's good. Well, also, wouldn't you say that there's probably some quote-unquote non-essential staff, even in a comic book, uh, you know, office? Right. You know, right. Uh, like, when it comes to, like, non-essential, a lot of the uh, administrative jobs tend to be the ones that, like, the people who actually do the producing, like writers and artists and so forth, editors, you know, they could still be useful. Uh, not right. that, you know, these other people aren't useful, but, you know, it's it's going to be, like, administrator positions. Right, right. Yeah.
0: Well, plus too, let's be honest, um, even if you're an editor and you don't have any scripts coming in to look at because everybody's on a pencils down um, order, you're, you're kind of just sitting there in the office reading your own back issues, which, mm-hmm. by the way, that is a job. There's somebody at both Marvel and DC who's paid to just read back issues for consistency. How do I get that
3: job? Oh, that would be a great job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, what do you do for a living? I read comic
2: books. I-, I
1: mean, Hey. <laughs>
2: Right. Well, okay. Yes, yeah, smart <laughs> <over> here. <laughs> My nightmare is I'd get image comics asking me to do it, and I'd be like, oh.
4: "Yeah, read those uh,
3: back issues of Stormwatch, buddy." Oh, God.
4: Oh, yeah. oh, thank you. No, thank you. That, oh, that oh. would be the gutter. Read, read the early, read the
0: early years of Spawn or uh,
4: <laughs> Young Blood. Man, that oh, or else look at Rob Liefeld's lack of feet art. <laughs> I was looking at some bloods I got. So,
0: Early. hey, did you guys hear this? Olivia probably heard this. Um, Heavy Metal Magazine started another comic imprint this, this week. Um, I, now, I don't think they named it very well because they, they named it Imprint Virus, which well, is I probably.
4: <laughs> I thought it was aluminum.
0: No, they said uh, it's creator-owned imprint virus, Um, but it was actually supposed to start releasing titles this week also, but um, when I was over at Gateway, uh, they didn't have any. Um, And I think it's because, quite honestly, I think Heavy Metal announced too late that they were doing it, and they didn't give the shops any time to actually get anything ordered. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they announced it after we could place final orders. Um, Yeah, and that's the other thing, the last couple weeks, I mean, definitely excited to get books back, but distribution schedules are very off. I think everybody's playing a little bit of catch-up, you know, writers, team members, everybody.
0: Well, also, too, uh, the thing I was um, noticing when they said they expected to have product in the stores today, I was like, so how did you ship it? Because obviously it wasn't through Diamond, was it? Yeah. (laughs) But... Keep in mind, heavy metal has always gone through a traditional magazine distribution. So they're probably using that same avenue. Yeah. Uh, but I'm actually looking forward to it. Um, they have some titles. Yeah. see, their titles they have here are the red Nomo Bots, whichever the hell Nomo bot, Nomobots is. Um, Garbage Factory, Dottie's Inferno. So it looks like they might have some a lot of science fiction stuff going. But remember, that's kind of always been heavy metal, saying the um, where they always build themselves as adult science fiction. Right. Yeah. So Marvel also announced they weren't doing any digital titles again today, um, which. I don't I don't know how I really think about feel about that other than, sure, I get what you guys are saying. You want to stay true to the brick and mortars and you want to put out um, the traditional comic book. right? Mm-hmm. But at least DC was still offering digital stuff. Even if some of it was reprint, Marvel is not doing any of that. They're they're just relying on their Marvel Unlimited library, which don't get me wrong, there's a lot there to read. But yeah. if, I, if I've been reading Guardians of the Galaxy, I would kind of like to at least see the new issue digitally.
2: Yeah. Be nice. Well, do you think that the digital artists and stuff that create that stuff or convert that that kind of thing? Are um have to work in a, like a close proximity to each other, and that's probably the issue. No, they're
0: all doing it from home.
2: That's what I mean. It's like why would they, why would they stop doing that if you could right. do that from home? You know, if you could do it in a like a tele telecommuting kind of way, well, it's like why not? Right.
0: I mean. <laughs> I just, I just thought it was weird that DC is like, okay, we'll put our stuff out digitally, and then when we go back to distribution, we'll still give you the print comic. We'll still send it. Uh, Marvel just says, we're just going to go ahead and give everybody a thirty-day subscription to Marvel Unlimited. Okay, great. But what happens when I read through your eighty thousand volumes <laughs> in thirty days? You're right. You, you laugh, but ga- I guarantee you, there's somebody, somebody right could. now yeah, who's, who's reading could. the last
3: book, and they're about to go into withdrawal. <laughs> you can read. All of Marvel Unlimited's library in thirty days. I salute you, and I worry. I second about you. here, I worry about you because you I haven't slept. That. You haven't slept in thirty days, and you really have no life whatsoever.
0: Well, mm. remember, remember, Sony was um, paying was doing that thing last year. They were paying somebody a thousand dollars to sit through all the MCU universe and watch mm-hmm. every single movie from like iron man up through marvel um or avengers infinity war and wanted you to tweet on each one of the movies and i was thinking okay a it says i can make a thousand dollars pretty easily you know more easily than sitting there for you know a 26 hour marathon and b i have a life i don't have time to sit in front of a tv for 30 hours
4: pretty much but
2: there are people who do have that kind of time (laughs) and that's i kind of god bless america i guess so but yet i noticed you
0: have yet i noticed you haven't bought us lunch with a thousand
2: dollars you made Madman. what thousand dollars i mean <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> i don't want the government to find out right exactly
0: um so who is um oni and, and lion forge it looks like they uh joined up with dc comics and made the comic book charitable fund um to also support the brick and mortar stores um, mm-hmm. And the whole book industry charitable foundation thing that, you know, that Jim Lee's been doing, um, which, by the way, um, I know I mentioned a couple of weeks ago about Jim Lee doing his daily auction sketch and that how every week there was another artist adding to it. I purposely didn't bring it up this week because there are a lot of artists now jumping on on that. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, uh, Enos, I don't know if this was last week or this week, but Ivan Rice is even doing a Green Lantern piece for it now. Oh, okay. So, but yeah, um and every time I look at the news articles just like there's um Jim Lee's newest piece that he's announced. So, I just purposely stay away from that. Guys, if you haven't figured it out by now, just go to Twitter, go to eBay. Jim Lee is doing a charitable drawing every day. Um it goes on auction and whoever wins the auction for the current piece gets to pick the subject for the next piece. And everybody like Rob Liefeld, I think Todd McFarlane's doing it. I know um like I said, um Ivan Rice is doing. A lot of people that are jumping in. They're also committing stuff to it as well.
4: The last one I heard that was doing something for it was uh, Brett Booth. Yes, who 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 was phenomenal. I love his flash. Oh hey, um,
0: did you ever read *Dreadstar* back in the day? What's my name? Uh, Enos. That is. So remember when Jim Starlin premiered that it was in *Epic Illustrated* under Epic the metal metamorphosis odyssey and then he had uh, over on dredge star comics the imprint from uh, marvel and dredge star had his own comic he used to love that book um it's coming back oh, cool. oh wow so yeah, i did I've not heard, I've read it but i've heard of it i did not know this but i guess um so jim starlin for the like uh the last few years had a uh, debilitating hand injury and he couldn't draw for like more than 15 minutes at a time mm. um But he's had some rehabilitation, some therapy, and apparently it's gone really well to the point that he can actually draw again. And he's going to jump back into the comic industry with doing another Dreadstar series. Cool deal. Uh, It's coming out in October, and I think it's called – at the moment it's called Dreadstar Returns. That's probably not going to be the title, but Hmm. uh, yeah, so it's going to be like a 100-page graphic novel. Um, I don't know if you read it. I know Enos and I did. That was a fantastic series. I really loved it. I hated when that series ended. He
4: was a yeah, re- between mar of and, uh, but and Travis Morgan, the warlord. Right. Tommy, you go
0: ahead, because Enos was talking over you.
3: Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, yeah, I've heard of it. I, I never got a, a chance to read it, but I've I heard of it, so I'm aware of it. I might check it out. I, I do like Jim Starlin, so I might have to check it out.
0: You have to really go back, and I don't know if they've ever collected this in trade. We might have to look into this. It was originally started as um, something called Metamorphosis Odyssey in Epic Illustrated magazine, and out of that, the Dreadstar series spun out over at Epic Comics. Is that right? It was the Epic line. That's right.
3: Yeah, uh, one of
0: Marvel's offshoot lines. Right, and and, on, and honestly, that was really the only title from it that sold. I, I think there was a couple others in the Epic line, but that was the only one that ever really did anything. So. Um, we were actually supposed to go to Awesome Con this weekend. Yeah, yeah we were. Which is not happening. Yeah. However, there are at least two comic conventions taking place online this weekend. So there's one doing one um, at a home called Comic Con Line. And then I also got an email yesterday, I think, from Awesome Con now doing one online over the weekend, which I did link the one for Awesome Con on the lost in a long box facebook so go ahead and click the link uh it is actually free now i don't know how you're doing a free convention but hey you know what um good good for them uh but this one here looks like you're gonna have at least 20 artists including like john remeter jr sean gordon murphy of uh the curse of the white knight series patrick leeson a whole bunch of others here and from what i understand too the one for AwesomeCon is actually going to be doing um vendor still as well. And I think there's gonna be even a panel with Zachary Levi and and someone else. I don't remember the whole details because I gotta be honest, I kinda glossed it over because I knew I couldn't do it. <laughs> mm. Yeah. But if you're like me and you're missing your fix for uh comic conventions, there they are. They're they're moving online. Let's just hope this is just a um a, a temporary measure fix, you know, to to do something for us fans who are Homebound, and that's not the new norm. Yeah, let's hope because so. I, 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 I
3: mentioned in person,
0: right? You, you like to walk yeah. around and talk to people and see the things in your
3: hands, you know? Right. Yeah, because yeah, I like to go. Definitely. I like to go my 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 books and stuff. <laughs> right. What you what were you gonna say, Olivia?
1: I was just going to say definitely looking forward to the events coming back, you know, free comic book day was also supposed to be this upcoming weekend and that's definitely my favorite day of the year. So I'm sad about that.
0: Well, and it's funny because we actually here, um, a loss of a long box, plug, 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 um, had a, a scheduling conflict because we were doing both events we were going to be doing free comic book day at your store and mm-hmm. we were also had guest passes for AwesomeCon. con which by the way guys we have to reapply now because they did tell me that they are null and void reapply um <laughs> so it was like mm-hmm. okay i guess friday we're all doing the con saturday half of us are doing the con half of us are doing the free comic book day and then sunday we're all going back to con so and now i not- don't have to do either one well that sucks so we'll be yeah.
1: definitely i'm not sure what's happening with free comic book day they haven't announced anything nationally but once you know it's safe to do events again we'll definitely be doing events because you know that's the best well, part of the story they, I love community aspect
0: yeah well remember they um just before everything got shut down Diamond changed it to free comic book May so every weekend was going to be something and I was like because we were like well how's that gonna affect stores that usually have a big event on that Saturday they can't afford to do four of them <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: Well, it's just not, you know, it's harder to do that because you're going to come out every week and pick up different stuff and distribution wise, getting free books out for an entire month, you know, the last I heard, they're probably looking at one big event to do like, you know, a national comic book day or something like that. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, you know, at the very least, we'll have some sort of event, you know, like a welcome back to the comic book world. We're all here By again. Exactly.
0: Maybe we and maybe we'll make sure that we do a, a live broadcast that day from the store. Also, Sounds um, great. Mad Men, your face of V behind you is seriously messing me up. I thought someone was doing <laughs> a podcast with you. Um, all right. So anybody have any news items? That's that's everything that I had.
3: Yeah, I, I that's about got it covered, I think. Well, no, it doesn't about
0: have it covered. I mean, there was a whole ton of other stuff out there, too, that I noticed. But we want to move on. Um, so show and tell who wants to go first.
4: Um, I guess I'll
3: pick up at once. All right. So this is one I've already shown off before, but it, since it's, uh, you know, we're talking about Roy Thomas tonight, I figured it'd be a good, good time to bring it back. Marvel Superheroes 13, featuring Very nice. one of his creations, the first appearance of Carol Danvers. Yep, absolutely. Thank you, Olivia, Gateway Comics and Toys, for this because that's where I bought this. Uh,
0: I was just going to say, Olivia, we <laughs> bought that at your store. It was not great, no, it was I raw. That at
3: her store. We, yeah, we. we- Okay well, hang,
0: okay. well, hang on. Let me back up here. We, as in Randy was the one who found it in the box. Randy held on to it for 20 minutes and then finally gave it to Tommy and said, here, I don't want it. And he's like,
3: are you sure? Are you sure? I'm the one who actually paid for it. And then he turned around and
0: beeline to Ed before I could say, wait a minute, so charge me now. <laughs> You'd be
1: surprised the amount of people that, you know, not fight, fight, but argue over things. <laughs> It's it wasn't an argument.
3: He found it He found it first. If he wanted it, it was his, you know. But once it was handed over to me, I'd like he said, I didn't waste any time and bought it right up. Right.
0: The the go. beauty of it is he said, are you sure? As he was walking away to the register, <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> yeah, sure.
1: Ed was already ringing it up. He's like, whoever comes here first.
3: Right. Whoever well, gets there first. It was a book <laughs> I wanted for a long time, and, and and you guys had it for a really great price, so I jumped on it.
1: Awesome. Always good to
0: hear. Enos. you got something? What do you got? Are you there?
4: Okay, he was I am here. Yes, I do. I have some um, to tie in as well with our subject tonight. One of his creations in the early, in the late 80s, Arach, son of thunder. Pull it back see-
0: and move to your left. There you go. And then pull the book back some. And up. There you go. Okay. That now a little down a little.
4: Down a little more. Down a little more. <laughs> Stop. Okay. All right. All right. Now, now. And, and this is the art by the late great Ernie Cologne, who was the mainstay artist on that book up until Ron Randall took over in 1984.
0: I really liked that book too. I, I read, I think maybe the first 12 issues of it. And then unfortunately it was one of the ones that didn't make the cut because at the time I was getting like 40 books a month. So somebody had to go
4: and unfortunately he did not make the cut yeah well it, it actually you know the book did fall off a little bit because they gave him a mohawk so when uh, down, I remember that people, yeah
0: yeah
4: a lot of people didn't like A-Rack with the mohawk and but then they gave him his long hair back and made him more of a shaman back in 1984 this is when Ron Randall took over the artwork and um the really started to build up again and then it was uh the last issue was during my, when I first went into basic training in 1985. Now, what's funny about this character, there is an updated version that showed up as part of this uh, Rogue's gallery for Infinity Incorporated called the Helix. Hmm. That had the dude named Mr. Bones, and there was a guy named a who was a bad guy, but they really didn't do anything with him. I would really like to see an updated version of this book. You know, just to see the um, see him dealing with the issues of Native Americans today, where the reservations, the lack of things, it is, and and uh, you know, give him a little something extra, but but dealing with something that's a little more the real world.
0: And actually, you know what? It's it's good that you had that book because I'll mention why um, that was a great book for this week when we get in discussing Roy uh,
2: Madman. What do you have? Uh, you, you know how I like uh, comic books that are based upon the toys I had. Uh, right. That's basically how I, I how I got into collecting comic books. Is I was buying comic books based upon G.I. Joe and Voltron. There you go. <laughs> oh, that's a nice
3: one. I like yeah. that one.
2: Yeah. It's in really good conditions. Voltron, number one. This is, like, from 1985. You know? It's, yeah, that's oh, the first yeah.
3: comic appearance of Voltron.
2: Absolutely. And I, I was looking on the internet. I saw prices as high as 80 bucks for this. And I'm just like, really? Yep. It, it wasn't that great a read. <laughs>
4: <laughs> actually it wasn't you're right man man it wasn't that good yeah
2: wasn't that a japanese anime
0: though also too before we got it in comic yeah form? exactly yeah, before it came yeah. over
4: gotcha
3: exactly well Ray what Cart came Superman. first the, the toy or the anime uh probably the anime yeah the anime the anime did, the anime did.
4: Okay. because they had two teams of voltron it was the line team and the vehicle team vehicle team yep and vehicle, uh, bunk, so yeah and then the there was
2: they're a super book too, right? They're part of. The, wait, no. No, that was, no. That was a different thing. All <laughs> oh, right. Hey, Olivia,
0: you got anything for show and tell? I don't. Look <laughs> do. <laughs> on the shelf behind her. Shit, no, I, I don't. Do.
1: I'm like, uh, yeah. Uh, I have not left the house in a couple a, of weeks. <laughs>
0: all right, I next week. Ne- next week, you got next week show and tell. All right, so uh, for yeah. mine. I'm going to win the show and tell because since we are discussing Roy Thomas, I have I also here... have what if number one. No, I would love to have what if number one. I don't have it anymore. I have what is no doubt the greatest um, creation in all of Roy Thomas's career. Um, and it is, of course, Captain Kerr and his amazing zoo crew. crew. <laughs> <laughs> ha ha. Yes. Yeah, and Roy Thomas is the script on on this one. I don't know if he stayed with it after issue one, um, but the thing that's uh, why this is such a kind of an, I don't want to say an important book, but kind of a a great vehicle for Roy to have kicked off. Remember back in like the forties and the fifties, funny animal books were all the rage in the comic book industry. Um, Especially also two things like little Lulu and Richie Rich. So there was a huge market for these books back in the day. And this was DC's attempt to basically resurrect that and it went for like a couple years right i, I love yeah. the fact that um it was so obvious in alternate universe but yet they had superman right here on the cover because like how can we make sure the series sells throw superman on the cover mm. that yeah spider-man it, yep Just say spider-man or wolverine on marvel or superman in dc throw them on the cover and you had a sell.
3: that's right that's right they knew they were their bread's buttered all right and
0: Guys, I'm sorry. I'm tied up on my cord here. Okay, um, so let us let's go ahead and get into um, tonight's subject. Mr. Roy Thomas. Um, a lot of you listeners may not know this out there, but
2: Roy, Roy Thomas
0: uh, is is pretty much considered um, the the heir to the throne at Marvel when Stan Lee decided he wasn't going to be writing as much anymore, particularly as editor. It went to Roy and Roy was kind of the newer talent there. There was guys who had been in the uh, House of Ideas for much longer, but the reins were handed to Roy. Um, So what we got here basically now, and I didn't know this, he apparently was already a big fan of Silver Age comics before he even got into them. Um, And he had letters um, that he wrote that got published in like um, Fantastic Four, number five and a number 15. And as far back as Green Lantern number 1 and Flash 116 and then Fantastic 422. So he already had a really good understanding of comic books and the superhero um, medium um, because he was a fan before he even broke into it. Um, His first job was actually over at DC. I don't know if you knew that, Enos. No, I didn't. Yeah, he was actually hired by Mort Weisinger, Weisinger. I believe, Yep. (laughs) Uh, to edit Superman titles, which is really funny because you know how he got that gig is he'd already written a script for a Jimmy Olsen book like uh, a few months before that. So, and that's how he got pr- pretty much got the job at DC
4: editing um, Superman. And Roy Thomas also has another unique extension that a lot of people are not aware of. He and a gentleman by the name of Jerry Bales created the first fanzine called Alter Ego, which was right. the predecessor I- to, predecessor to Wizard, and just to give you an example, and all the other fan time type of fanzines that were out there, he was one of the godfathers of that medium as well.
0: Right. Well, and here's what's funny is I'm glad you actually mentioned that because his work on Alter Ego was how he got in to Marvel because he but, wrote a letter to Stan Lee, say, hey, man, I'm a big fan of your books. I don't know if you remember me, you know, from Alter Ego. And Stan knew his name um, from that fanzine and said, hey, let's get the lunch you know and after lunch um that's when stan offered him a job so and roy actually said it himself he worked for dc for like eight days before he was offered a job over at marvel um and here's what's funny he told weisinger that you know i'm getting offered a job at at marvel and weisinger kicked him out (laughs) he basically said don't even finish the day leave oh wow so that that just kind of tells you how much the rivalry was going on there um so now, he, it's what's funny. He talks about the writing test that they had at Marvel. Um, and he basically said it was um, like four pages of Fantastic Four where they had just removed all the dialogue. And you had to go in and, just, and write dialogue over the already um, penciled and scripted pages. Now, they were already pages that had been published, so it's not like they were giving him something that hadn't been done. It's just they took pre-published issues, watched out all the dialogue, and said, okay, what would you do with these scenes?
3: That actually sounds kind of fun. Yeah, I well, do it in
2: Photoshop all the time. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, I, well, I, I
3: think I, I think that would be fun. I'd love to do
2: that. Well, I that
4: remember. would actually drive me nuts because I'm I like plotting along with writing and doing the dialogue as well because I try to make the pictures reflect what I'm talking, what what the characters are saying. So that way of like, okay, we've done the artwork and I put some dialogue, and I would like, huh? I would be, I would literally be a loss of words. Well,
2: you'd have to have some sort well, of collaboration with the artists. That's all there is yeah. to it. Right. Yeah. right.
0: Well, now, you know why he did that, right? Let's think about this. What was really huge at Marvel um, about to, when Lee was there? You guys know this one. Um, what's, the, what's the teacher always says, there's going to be a quiz on this tomorrow. So, pay, um, Spider-Man? The Marvel yeah. method of writing. The,
4: the Marvel method of writing.
0: Where Stan said, here's the idea, here's the gist of the story, draw it, and then I'll go back and fill in all the dialogue later. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so that's what they were doing. They were seeing Ken Roy adapt to the Marvel method of writing. Yeah. And, and the I, rest is history. He
3: did a pretty good job of that considering uh considering all he did at Marvel. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, if you take a you know, when we were when I was looking over this for the show, I mean, the list of characters that he had a hand in creating, you know, is it's just it's a who's who. Right. Yeah, I mean it's
0: insane. Well, here's what's funny. So his first writing stuff, uh writing assignment Mm. was uh he actually wrote um Who Can I Turn To in Millie the Model? (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Or or, um, Modeling with Millie Modeling with Millie, issue number forty-four was where that premiered. But then he also wrote um uh some stuff for like Iron Man and Tales of Suspense. Um he also apparently did a um a Doctor Strange story as well. Um, wrote um Patsy and Hetty. Issue one hundred four and one hundred five. <laughs> and you remember Patsy and Hetty? That was the follow-up book to Patsy
3: Walker. That's right, the great Patsy Walker line.
0: And yeah. I didn't know this. He actually wrote some stuff for Charlton Comics too. So apparently, he wrote an issue of Blue Beetle. He wrote an issue of uh, Son of Vulcan. So, and he did this as he was actually working for Marvel at the same time. So that's pretty awesome. But here's where he starts to really um, spread his wings. Um, he gets Sergeant Fury and talent Commandos from like issue 29 all the way through issue 41. And then he also gets handed um, Tommy Uncanny X-Men at issue 20 up to issue 43.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things too, that when, when looking over his, his work too, is how long a runs he got on, on stuff both, you know, at, at Marvel and DC. I mean, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit later, but he had the first 115 issues of Conan. Right. Well, that's but, um,
0: since you just hit on that, um, that's why Enos's book is is kind of actually um, bittersweet here because there was no sword and sorcery in comics until Roy, Con- Roy Thomas pulled out Conan the Barbarian. Um, and that was actually a huge gamble for Marvel because at the time... Marvel and DC were dominated by superhero comics and mm-hmm. he's asking Marvel to take a sword and sorcery character who had only been a previously seen in pulp magazines and trade paperbacks and says, I want you to do a monthly comic book on it. And it worked. And as a result, what ended up happening is you got Red Sonya, you got um, Call the Conqueror. Over at DC you got Claude the Unconquered and then much later you got Erex Son of Thunder or Son of
3: Stone, whatever the hell it is. Son of Thunder. Thunder, Thunder. thunder, thunder. thunder, thunder. But yeah, he 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 had the first hundred and fifteen issues and then years later came back for another 35 issue run. And it just, you know, you don't see stuff like that in right. this day, people, you know, on a on a book for that long, you know. Well, not
0: to mention too, and I, I didn't know this, he did X-Men issue 20 to like what, 43, I think it was. Yeah, he came back when the book was in trouble to try and save it, but the writing was already on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then and they went into, and went into reprints, right. So. And yeah. also, too, while we're at it, um, and I did not know this was him, he wrote Avengers <laughs> with issue number 35, and he went all the way through 1972, and what was in his big run with Avengers? Tommy, I know you know this.
3: That was the kree Scroll War.
0: Yes, absolutely. So he had a really great writing career at Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tommy,
3: why don't you tell us about what happened when he took over as editor? Because he made some revolutionary moves there too. Yeah, so he takes over as editor in '72 when when uh, Stan Lee becomes the becomes the publisher, and you know th- brings in some t- you know he continues to write some of the mainstream titles like Fantastic Four, but he brings us a bunch of uh, other new stuff: uh, the Defenders, one of the big ones, uh, What If about alternate histories, um, a personal favorite of mine, The Invaders, which is uh, you know set in World War II. Um, I think one of the biggest things during this time is the uh, comic book adaptation of Star Wars. That was huge. Uh, you know, Jim Shooter believes that Marvel was in a lot of trouble, and, and Star Wars really saved them during during this time period. So that was that was a big deal. Um, you know, Star Wars comics have been you know selling pretty well ever since then. You know, good stuff. And you know, one of the big ones is is during this time too is it's the first at. Ad- Time that DC and Marvel team up when they do a seventy-two page Wizard of Oz movie adaptation. Yep. yep. And that uh, you know that I always find that crazy that the first thing that they do together is the Wizard of Wizard Oz. of Oz. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. It's almost so like that, common middle ground.
3: Yeah. Right. So it's it, you know it's it's not a crossover between the Avengers and the Justice League or you know Superman and Spider Man. Well, I say that that
0: predates Superman Spider Man first uh, confrontation. Yep. Yeah. Huh. Crazy. So I was actually looking for it. I don't have it on my shelf. Olivia, when you go back to the store, look to see if you have what if the complete collection trade paperback volume one, which I think is what if volumes one through 12, I believe. Uh, It has a forward in it by Roy Thomas. talking about what a gamble what if was. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So I I I
3: read that last year. I could see that being a gamble. You know, you already have these established stories and stuff like that. You know, would people really want to re- read something about it if it went a different way or something like that? I don't know. But I've always liked What If. That's always been one of my favorite titles.
0: Well, I, I want to say that part of the sales pitch was when he went in there, he already had like four or five issues thought out and scripted as to what it was going to be. Because I <laughs> want to say it was kind of a hard sell as this is what we're going to do with it. And like, I don't know about this, Roy. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean, if it it's it good stuff. Yeah, what if you know Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four? You know, stuff like that. Great stuff.
0: My favorite issue of that series, um, I think it's issue maybe eighteen or nineteen. I can't remember, and it's the uh, "What if uh, Uncle Ben had lived" um, <laughs> storyline. And it shows Spider-Man on the cover, like getting ready to do a, a late night talk show hosting. But the whole storyline is, what if for that one brief second, Spider-Man's conscience had come forward and he stopped the bank robber, um, so. Yeah. That was a great run at first series. All right, uh, what else we got on Roy Thomas? Um, anybody else want to speak up before I hand Enos the DC Reigns on us? What you Let got? Let Enos
4: go to DC. Tell us about his DC work, Enos. Well, I want to go back to Marvel for a brief moment because, as we were speaking of earlier, uh, Roy had his hand in some of the licensed characters as well. Back in the early seventies, we he jumped on Conan the Barbarian, but in the late seventies, they got the license to Tarzan right behind um, DC, who was finished with it. Now, as you know, DC had the um, had a hold of Tarzan with Joe Kubert in the early seventies up until nineteen. I want to say. Early seven, the early to mid seventy six. Now, right about the time this uh, was going on, the, um, Filmation was about to debut their Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle cartoon on CBS that year, nineteen seventy six. Now, about that time, Marvel had gotten uh gotten a hold of the rights to the character after DC was done with it, and he was teamed with the great late great John Byssma once again to have a run on Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle, which adapted a lot of the great stories um from Edgar Rice Burroughs and they stayed pretty much faithful to them and the artistry of Roy Thomas's words is just like um was was surely phenomenal. And what he also did was he adapted the language that Tarzan used in in his stories like Grigar, Bandulo, Ungawa, those type of things <laughs> that you that that you heard in the Tarzan movies that everyone thought was part of just for Hollywood, but actually it was a complete language that um, Burroughs created for that Tarzan series. Now, um, and he's has been right about um, and I think it was like about 1979 or 80 that they had the reins on Tarzan. Then in 1981, Roy Thomas surfaces at DC continuing with his sword and sorcery uh, shtick by bringing one of the, one of, who I believe was one of the best characters of that decade, Arak, Son of Thunder, who was, a, um, who was who was taken in, who was from a Native American from the fictional Quantaka tribe that was um, raised by Vikings and made into a warrior. He was paired with a female character named Valda the Iron Maiden who was a pretty formidable character on her own. Now, Roy had some help in creating the mythology behind um, Arax on the Thunder, and he looked no further than his own wife, Dan. And um the late great Ernie Cologne provided the artwork from, for a majority of the time from 1981 up until 1983, when they um Randy and I were talking about this prior to the show, where you um they for some reason, why I don't know, they had um Arak Sporting, a um, Mohawk, from 1982 up until the fall of 1983, where they brought his um, long hair back. And then they introduced his father, Thunder, who after he was killed fighting a Tyrannosaurus Rex, talking about Arak, he wound up being given shaman, shaman or mystical type powers. And he kept this shtick up until the book's cancellation in 1985. But Arax's um, presence doesn't stop there, um, nor does Roy's. Roy and Dan also created um, a Teen Titans-esque type group um, called Infinity Incorporated. That were they made their debut right on the tail of the Crisis on Infinite Earths, where they were the actual children of some of the oh, are Two heroes. People. Yeah. Yeah, and you had you had Helena Wayne, the Huntress. You had the son of Brainwave. You had Nuclon, who was a great, who was a nephew of the original Adam. You had Fury, who was related to Wonder Woman. You had the Silver Scarab, who was the um, biological son of um, the Earth Two Hawkman, and Northwind, who was an adopted child of that character. And, and um, they had they went up against a group called the Helix, who was like their their rogues gallery one of the um one of the popular characters that emerged from them was a guy named Mr. Bones who was Bones, who was born with a transparent skin where you could actually see his skeleton and he wasn't grotesque but he, he was uh, something to behold and among them was an updated version of Ereak you really didn't get a lot of him, and he only made a short appearance. So I'm only hoping that somehow, somewhere, that they bring this character back to us in a more updated version so we can see him doing things, dealing with the Indian, you know, having someone that work for the Department of Indian, and Bureau of Indian Affairs in D.C., well, something where he is a... Um, a direct descendant of Arak taking on the issues that that affect Native Americans today—that is something I would really like to see. But Roy and Dan both put their foot in this, and with the art of um, Ernie Cologne for the beginning and up until the end, where um, with Ron Randall and Tony Dezuniga, um, this was an awesome book, and I feel truly deserves a um, omnibus or a trade paperback run of that series.
0: You know what, though? I would like to see, if you're going to bring Eric back, I would like to see two books then, a modern-day one, and I want
4: to see when it would be a period piece because I yeah. think
0: that character works best as a period piece, just like Conan.
4: Yeah. yeah, agreed, agreed. He did work better, and I, um, what I'd like to see, was, because there was always that hinting of romance between him and Balda, I would like to see them get together and see their offspring, see what happens, and you see them over the years up into the 21st century. That would be something good to see as well. So let's not forget something else about Roy.
0: Um, when he was at DC, um, he is a, admittedly a fan of the golden age and the silver age. Right. So when he went to DC, one of the things that he did was he said, you know what? We need to bring back those All golden Star age people.
4: Squadron. And yes. we,
0: and he launched all-star squadron and this, um, brought all of those earth 2 golden heroes back into the limelight. They were noticeably gone for a, a long time. You only saw JSA basically um in the JLA JSA team up every summer. This is where Roy said, "Hey, these are great characters you guys are sleeping on. Let's get them back out
3: there." The 67 issues. He pretty much wrote the entire series. Yeah, he yeah, mm-hmm. did. I started read I started picking up those books and starting reading them, you know, recently. It's a very good series. I've been I've been enjoying it.
0: Yes. I really love this cover with hawkman and dr midnight and the atom and all the pictures spread across the table like the recruitment drives like yeah, you're who talking was about get into one, the group right
3: huh you're talking about the first issue issue one right
0: yeah it's one in my hand right yeah.
3: here uh well i i don't have you on screen because i have the other the other ones here but yes that one that's one of my favorite covers of any comic yeah. i love that. i love that cover that's yep. amazing that was a
0: it was a great series um so Enos and I have been doing, on talking, Matt
2: and Olivia, you have any thoughts, comments, things you want to add about Mr. Thomas? Um, I was looking through this young all-stars number three here. And uh, first of all, you know, foxes don't fly. Um, second of all, um, what? I th- <laughs> Foxes <laughs> don't fly. There was a character
4: called. Uh, Flying <laughs> okay.
3: Well, I, maybe that fox flies.
2: I think that Roy Thomas, I think he liked creating characters. And as a guy who's played tons of superhero role playing games, I get that, you know, and uh, it seems like especially in this young all star series, you know, he it was the kind of guy who would uh, play a role playing game, but create his comic book characters for his writing in, the, you know, because that's what I did. I had a role playing game and I have a, a book based upon a character I had in a role playing game. So, I mean, I get the idea of loving to create a new character. Right. Yeah. If you look
3: at the characters he created, you know Vision, Carol Danvers, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Man Thing, Red. I Sun- was just a, I was Adder- just about to go through the list. Ghost Rider. I was going
1: to bring up Avengers fifty seven. <laughs>
3: yeah. and Supreme, the Invaders, the, you know the Dane Whitman version of the of the Black Knight. Yeah. Um, you know Wendell Vaughn, aka Quasar, Red Guardian. I mean all kinds of hits. I mean, there were some that were misses. I'm like, I don't know who this guy Wolverine is, but, you know. I know, right?
0: <laughs> I mean, why, why are you going to name a character after a small, honorary badger? I don't get it, you know? Right. Mm-hmm.
3: And apparently he had his hand in creating Adamantium too, but I mean, you know, they can't all be hits.
0: Right. Um, <laughs> Olivia, you said Avengers 57? That's the yeah. division, right?
1: Yes, yeah. So the first Silver Age appearance, yeah, I and mean, it was cool because i never seen it in person until a couple of weeks ago. We actually had it, but that was like my first Roy Thomas that I, you know, I was holding the book and I'm like, oh, this is this person. Um, (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, that was just one of those things. Like, everybody talks about Stan Lee, but there's so many other influential editors and publishers and everything in the comic book industry. Um, A lot of talented people that create a lot of these characters.
0: Right. Well, And, 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 and 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 Olivia brings up a really good point, too. Um, Before he was editor, he was given a lot of writing chores, and at the time, Stan Lee and his brother, um, whose name is now escaping me, um, did a lot lot of the writing at Marvel, and they started handing stuff off to Roy Thomas, and he was beating out in-house writers that had already been there for a while and basically had paid their dues, so to speak, and they're giving him writing chores, and they're starting to relieve themselves of some of their writing and get mainly to the editing to let Roy do it.
3: So well, yeah. If you look at a lot of his work, a lot of these long runs that he had, you know, overlapped. Like he was doing multiple titles at a time and it's just like crazy how much he was writing. Yeah. Well I just like see that it gives his paycheck. If you mm-hmm. look at the, if you look at the
0: time frame, here's the thing that just really kind of floors you when you think about it. He was doing Conan the Barbarian at the same time that he was doing Avengers because the Kree Scroll War comes out as he's deep into Conan yeah and those are two completely
3: different books
0: right not to mention that also falls right into the time when lee says i'm giving you editor control of spider-man
2: yeah it's a lot a lot of a lot of pressure
3: oh yeah i think he i think he definitely lived up to it i mean he's he's one of the you know one of the greats of all time i mean and he and and with him too he's one of those unsung greats too you know he's not not,
4: his,
3: his name is not as big as like a as like a Kirby or a Lee, but it probably should be.
2: Yeah, I right. thought he was a hockey player who played for the St. Louis Blues. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, and I think at one point you thought we were talking about Rob Thomas of, you know, I, Matchbox 20, I've been right? trying
2: to do research. All I found was this all-star, young all-stars comic. Well, and here's a, here's a
0: funny thing, too, when we talk about Roy Thomas, and he mentions this, too, and, and I guess in in interviews, um, When he took the job at D.C. originally for Superman, he was also um, had a scholarship at George Washington University. And he even says himself that he gave up a scholarship to work for Marvel.
3: <laughs> but it looked like it was the right idea. Absolutely.
4: <laughs> I would have, too. I would have. too. And also, he's, he's, it should be noted that not, and on top of being talented himself, he also had an eye for talent as well. Because right. it was because it was because of him that we had the Ernie Colon's, and we, he also was single-handedly introduced us to the greatness of that was Jerry Ordway, who went on to become a major major artist in DC and and also a major storyteller in the Superman mythology. And if, if you would, underrated if guy would, too, Jerry Ordway. Yeah, and pretty- um, and and I think it's safe to say. Roy Thomas is to comics back then what Jeff Johns is to DC right now. Oh, he absolutely. had the Midas touch. I, yeah, he, yeah, I he, give he you had that. the Midas touch, and, and and trust me, everything he touched literally turned to gold and it sold. And well, and, and go ahead. Go ahead. And, and 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 really, and like, like uh, Thomas like, brings up a very good point for us. lauding him the way he is, he is still so unsung. In the realm of the industry because there are a lot of people who don't know who he is but i can tell you for sure they know the books that he's done or or at least
3: characters he's created
4: or or the characters he's created so 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 really this was good to introduce him um to a lot of people oh so that's who that is yeah that's who he was and he was he was awesome and another guy i hope we do a show on That was a great writer as well, but doesn't get his due as Mike W. Barr. Well, well, here's the thing. Um, Sometimes because I think at Dragon Con,
0: Roy was there um, and he was one of a few tables um, where there was a line because people knew he was in a day. And if you didn't know he was, you had someone grabbing you and saying you need to talk to him. Yeah, I'm going to put it very simply. So. Stanley is responsible for giving us Marvel Comics and and creating all those great heroes. And he's and him and Kirby and Ditko are easily the the reason why they were so popular in the '60s and why comic books came up out of the gutter and started getting mainstream. Right. The reason Marvel became the number one publisher and was so, so strong in the '70s and so well read and such a huge force. Roy
2: Thomas, at, at absolutely. Thomas. Absolutely. I mean, at that time, you know, uh, Stanley and uh, Ditko, those guys, you know, they're moving up into the upper upper echelons of the of the business, you right. know, becoming editors and so forth, and not so much creating characters. And Roy Thomas came in and he uh, gave new blood to both Marvel and DC, right? And yeah. I think in that era, and I think that that's very important. It's very, uh, it's it's a shame that you know only these these guys who are pioneers, you know, uh, get most of the accolades and so forth, right? And then you have this—you have the this second generation that comes in and breathes new life into it. It's second and third and fourth generation, and that's the point of comic books: is that every generation is there, there's going to be another Roy Thomas.
0: You talk oh, yeah. to the giants who are working now in the comic industry, guys like Jim Lee or or or, or, um, or your Todd McFarlane's or your Jeff Johns, and they will tell you they grew up reading the Roy Thomas Marvel Marvel era because mm-hmm. that's
3: when a lot of the great stories were told. Um, oh yeah. You know, and and the thing about him too is he's seventy nine years old, and he's still writing. He he had he has some uh, credits from Dynamite Entertainment in two thousand eighteen and two thousand nineteen for Red work. Right. Yeah. So he's still he's and, still not as active as he once was, but he's still doing stuff too, and that's pretty
0: He even goes back to Marvel in the, in the in like early two thousands, like two thousand five or something. He goes in I guess he had a bit of a falling out with Marvel, and he mm-hmm. went to Marvel, buried the hatchet, and started writing for them again too.
3: Yeah, it looks like he's got a credit, uh, X-Men Gold number one, 2014. So, I mean, you know, he's, he's done some pretty recent I, stuff,
2: too. Yeah. As a writer, I mean, I'm not so impressed with that, because as a writer, I know I can't not write. And so right. it's like, it's like that's why, that's why you're good at it. It's like, because you know, I don't care how old I am, I'm, I'm typing away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's good
3: to see him out there. It's good, good to see him still doing stuff, too, you know? So, closing thoughts. Anyone got anything else on Mr. Thomas? Yeah like I, like I was saying earlier I think he's just one of the most he's one of the more unsung character people in um in comicdom you know he's he's given us a lot he's made marvel and dc both a lot of money I mean marvel's cinematic universe has made a lot of money off of Roy Thomas creations so you know he's definitely someone I'm glad we talked about tonight
0: Absolutely. Uh, Tommy, we're going to have a subject that I know you've just been chomping at the bit for next week. Um, so I'll go ahead and just tease it so everybody knows what we're doing. We're going to be discussing um, the seduction of the innocent. and
4: Oh, also, Lord.
0: And also, um, what was it? Uh, Pleasure on Parade as well, the follow-up book and the impact it had on the comic industry. Oh, good. Uh, but before we go, I do want to remind everyone that Mad Men has his companion show, Shock Monkey Radio, every Tuesday night here on FXBG Public Radio from 6 to 7. Um, Olivia, give us a shout out for the store. Yep.
1: So, uh, Gateway Comics and Toys, um, we are still open, doing curbside delivery, um, curbside pickup, that thing. Um, we're posting daily updates about our hours and everything as they change. We have an online store. Um, you can give us a call at 540 621 9274 for any information.
0: And the store is actually open. Um, they're just having to obey the no more than 10 people of the store at a time. I, I went yeah. in there and there was like 13 people, and I said, You all need to get to hell, and I got to buy my comics. <laughs> 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 we also have our companion groups on Facebook um, that uh enos is the admin for batman yesterday today and forever realm of superheroes comics and pop culture and gather together the greatest superhero teams we are out there on facebook.com slash lost in the long box um i did post the link like i was talking about for AwesomeCon's cons online convention this weekend drop us a line at lost in the long at gmail.com we would love to hear from you everybody please be safe um if you do out go out in public Do that whole six-foot rule. Just put a pole between you and the guy in front of you and the guy behind you. All right. We will talk to you all next week. See you next week, guys. Have a good night, night, everybody. Bye.
1: Bye.